Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. But man, I'm just excited to be able to preach today, and I have a word from the Lord for you this morning. Several months ago, I did a study out of the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis, and the Lord gave me three different sermons at the time. I've preached two of them already on Sunday mornings, and this will be the third message that the Lord gave me from the Living Greater series, if you will, or from that topic. But one thing that came so evident to me uh, about Joseph's life is that his life was marked by living greater. And the first sermon that I preached, I titled, Get Started Living Greater. And the anchor verse for this series is John chapter 14 and verse 12, where Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now, how many of you want to shout out greater things? Come on, say greater things. If you want to live greater, shout out greater things. And we talked about how God wants to do great things and greater things in us and through our lives. And we looked at Joseph's life and we learned that one key aspect about Joseph's life is that if we want to live greater, we have to get started with the dreams that God has placed in our hearts. That at some point, we have to go from talking to action, from planning to pursuing, from contemplating to chasing. We have to get started with the dreams that God has placed in our heart. Then the second message I preached was called the blessing of the Lord living greater. And we learned that there is a blessing you can't get from your education, from your relationships, and from your hard work. And when all those blessings fail, how many of you know it's a blessing of the Lord that we need in our life? And we talked about how there is, if the blessing of the Lord were up here on stage with us, and if there were a door in front of the blessing of the Lord, the way to unlock, and the key that will unlock the blessing of the Lord over your life is with the blessing of obedience to God and to His Word. And today I want to keep in that same theme of living greater. How many of you want to live greater this morning. And I want us to look at this third uh, sermon. I want to deliver this third sermon that the Lord has given me in this other aspect about Joseph's life that I believe that if we will implement this aspect of Joseph's life, then we will begin to live greater. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you. I have already prayed, planned, and prepared for this sermon that you've given me. And Lord, I pray that you will give me the unction of the Holy Ghost and the power that comes behind the preaching of your word. Would you anoint our hearts and our ears that we could hear and receive the word of God that you've given us today in Jesus name and everyone said aloud amen. amen amen all of us in this place at the sound of my voice or if you joined us online would say that all of us want to live greater but the question is this what's keeping you from living greater I want you to actually answer that question what is keeping you from living greater take a look at the screens answer this question my reason for not living greater is and fill in the blank what would go in your blank I remember as a child, and uh, I'm 43 now, but if you're over 43 or so, I remember, do you remember as children when our parents would ask us, hey, did you get your chores done? And you would say certain responses, and in my house, it sounded like this. My parents would say, did you take out the trash? And I'd say, no, not yet. I still have more homework to do. Or, or they would say, did you clean your room? And I would say, oh, I didn't forget about that. I'll, I'll just do it later. Or they would say, did you clean the dishes or did you wash the dishes? And I would say, I, I'll do it. I'm still doing more homework. And, and, and I want you to know that, man, I would always talk about all these reasons why I wasn't doing all these things. But when I want you to know that there are some questions that don't quite have the same meaning today as when we were asked those questions back as children. Am I right? 
And so I remember being asked, did you wash the dishes? And children, kids, youth, I want you to know that when your parents ask you today if you wash the dishes, it has a whole nother meaning than it did when I got asked if I wash the dishes. Because nowadays, all you do is this. You turn on the water faucet, you rinse the dish, and you put it into this mechanism, into this thing called the dishwasher. Hey, do you remember when you were the dishwasher? Come on, somebody remember those days? I was the dishwasher. I grew up in a home where we didn't have a dishwasher, and so I actually had to grab a sponge, put soap on the sponge. I had to clean that and wash and scrape the actual plate, and if we were having pizza that night, oh man, that cheese was going to melt on that plate, and I would have to really scrub, or if you were having spaghetti and that orange reddish film would get on there, and if you had Tupperware, forget about it. That that red stain is never coming out. It's in there for life. And so I would have to scrub it, and and I wouldn't just it wouldn't just stop there. I had to scrub the plates, and you'd put it on a towel, and then we would have to do this thing called drying the dishes because if you didn't there would be a white film that would corrode the plates because we didn't also have these other things called water softeners so we actually had to dry our own plates things don't quite mean the same thing that they used to mean and every time our parents would ask us if we got those chores done you know what we would do we'd give them excuses and the one thing that I've learned about life is that the one thing that's keeping people from living greater and the one thing that people are putting in their line of the reason why they're not living greater are excuses. And all of us have excuses. And maybe you answered that question today. The reason why I'm unable to live greater today is because I don't have the right friends and my friends keep on holding me back. Or maybe you answered that question by saying, I'm at a dead-end job. Or maybe you answered that question by saying, well, my, I was born into a dysfunctional family. Let me remind you that all of us hung out with people that were dysfunctional during Christmas. And guess what? That's your family, which means every single one of us are part of a dysfunctional family. Come on. Where are my dysfunctional people at? Come on. I'm just kidding. All right, all right, all right. Maybe you said the reason why I'm able to live greater is because I have a lack of finances or I'm too tall or I'm too short because I'm too skinny or I'm, I'm bigger. Or maybe you said I, I have too much education and I'm overqualified for that position that I want. Or maybe you said I have not enough uh, education and, and I'm underqualified. Maybe some of you said the reason why I'm unable to live greater is because I'm married. Others of you would say, well, because I'm single. Some of you would say because I got too many kids. Some would say I don't have enough kids. Some of you would say, well, it's because I've been abused or I've been neglected in life. And some of you would say it's because my car keeps on breaking down. I've got a hoopty. Come on, where are my hoopty people at? Where are my hoopty? Put your hand down, Jordan. Put your hand down. Son, put your hand down. I got a story about you later on. Don't you worry. All right. All of us have excuses, and some of the things that I just mentioned might be facts about you. But your response to these situations are more important than the facts about you. Your response is more important than your past, your education, or your hard work, or your relationships. Your response is more important than what they did to you or what they said about you. Your response is more important than your, than your successes or your failures. Your response will either make you or break you. It'll cause you to live greater in life if you have the, if you have the right response. And the amazing thing is this, that we we actually get to choose 
our response. We didn't get to choose what they said about us. We didn't get to choose who neglected us. We didn't get to choose who abused us. We didn't get to choose what they did to us or said about us. But the one thing we can control is that we have a choice on how we respond to all of those different things. And here's what I want to teach you today. If you forget everything but this, I need you to understand this. What I want to teach you today is that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to what happens to you. And what happened to you won't determine if you live greater, but how you respond to what happens to you will determine if you live greater today. And so many people aren't living greater because they're responding the wrong way and giving so many different excuses for why things aren't turning out the way that they had hoped. They keep on blaming situations for why they're being held back. They keep on blaming people for why they're being held back. They keep on blaming circumstances for why they're being held back. And the reality is that people that are good at giving good excuses are seldom good at living greater. Remember, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. So today, I've titled the message, The Right Response, Living Greater. And today, I want to give you three areas that we need to have the right response if we want to live greater in life. Number one, we need to have the right response to pain. And how we respond to pain will determine if we live greater. Let's look at Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 5 out of Joseph's life. It says this, Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, how many of you know it's a terrible thing when your brothers hate you? But it's a whole nother level when they hate you all the more. It's a whole nother level. And if you're unfamiliar with the story about Joseph, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he finds, uh, and, and he's, well, here's what happens. So his brothers, he has a dream, Joseph has a dream, and he has a dream that he's going to become a influential leader. And because of this dream, his brothers decide, well, we're going to sell, we're going to, we want to kill him. They actually decide first, we want to kill him. And before they get to the end of killing him, what they do is they decide, well, let's not kill him, but let's sell him into slavery. Let's place him in Egypt. So he gets sold and now he's in Egypt in his foreign land. And these were his own flesh and blood. These were his own brothers. These were the people that loved him or said they loved him the most. Could you imagine being ripped away from your family, the rejection, the pain that would come from that, the people that loved him the most were the people that sold him into slavery. Could you imagine the amount of pain? But, jo but for Joseph to live greater, he had to have the right response in life. And I want you to see how he responds to this tragedy that happens to him in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 51. It says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And this Hebrew word Manasseh is actually the word for forget. And said, it is because God made me forget, there's that word Manasseh, God made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. Joseph responds to pain, and he decides, I'm going to give all my pain over to God. Joseph decides that he wasn't going to hold on to this pain and become a victim, but that he was going to hand it over to the Lord so that Joseph could begin to have victory in his life. And when we're going through pain, it's so easy for us to put on the victim mentality or to become a victim, where we're blaming other people, we're blaming other circumstances, we're blaming other situations for why things are happening to us or why we're still going through this pain. And when we're going through this pain, it's so easy to come up with excuses for why we're still going through that pain and the emotion. But when we give our pain over to the Lord, can I begin to tell you that God will use your pain and he'll use it for his plans, his purposes, and his will. And all of us, if not most of us, have gone through pain. 
I was in second grade when it dawned on me, it, I realized rather quickly that I just didn't quite learn the same way that other people learned in the class. I didn't learn as quickly as the other children in the class. I didn't realize it then, but I know it now. I was dealing with what's called dyslexia. And I didn't have just a normal average form of dyslexia. I had a very, very severe form of dyslexia where whenever I would get in front of the class and I would read or I'd have to do a report, I would freeze up because I would look down at my notes and all the letters and the words would begin to become interchanged. It was like everything was moving on the page, and I, I couldn't speak. I would just freeze in front of everybody. And, and the kids in the class would point fingers at, they, at me, and they would say, You're dumb! You're illiterate! Why can't you read? And, and can you imagine the amount of pain that I felt at the age of eight years old, having my peers say that I was dumb, illiterate, and couldn't read? I, I mean, I dealt with that my entire life. I'd like to say that I dealt with, that, with dyslexia in the second grade. I never felt it again, but that's just not the case. I've had to deal with dyslexia my entire life, even into adulthood. But here's a funny thing about God. God has a funny sense of humor. Because if you haven't realized, pastors do a lot of reading and preaching in front of people if you haven't realized. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ over 25 years ago, and I said, Lord, I want you to know there is nothing I won't do that you call me to do. God, I'll do anything. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God says, oh, really? Like, what about if I call you into ministry where you have to preach and teach in front of people? But I want you to know, I didn't give God all my excuses for why I couldn't be a pastor or a person in ministry. I didn't give my excuses for why it doesn't make sense for someone like me to be in ministry. What I did, I gave God my pain, and he used it for his purpose. And now, the very thing that used to bring me the most amount of pain as a child is the one thing that brings me the most amount of fulfillment in my life today, because I get to preach the gospel the good news. I get to see people's lives transformed, set free, and delivered. I get to be used by God in a way that I would have never thought imaginable. To be in front of people, that was far-fetched to me. And now I get to experience all of this goodness because of what the Lord has done in my life. And I want you to know that I am a walking testimony that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is absolutely true. For we know that God works all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. What that means is God took my pain of yesterday and he used it to bring about his purpose in my life today. And if you will give your pain to the Lord, he will absolutely do the same thing for you because God will take the pain of yesterday to use it for his glory today. 10% of who you are today is what happened to you, but 90% of what happens to you or 90% of how you respond, 90% of who you are today is what uh, is how you respond to the pain that happened to you. Yes, the pain is terrible. Yes, it's hurtful. Yes, the pain is hard. But I'm here to remind you that we Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. You might be crying at night. You might be sitting there feeling, feeling empty and lonely and the pain is setting in. But I got some good news for you because Psalm verse 30 and verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, Joy is coming in the morning. You might be weeping right now, but joy is coming in the morning. It's a promise to you. And if we will give God our pain, he will use our pain of yesterday to bring about his plans and his purpose and his will in your life today. It's a promise of the Lord. Joy is coming in the morning. Number two, we need to have the right response to problems. Joseph had problems. 
Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and now he's in a foreign land talking about problems. Joseph was now serving in Potiphar's house, where now he is accused of rape by Potiphar's wife talking about problems. Because of that false accusation, he gets thrown into prison for something he did not do, problems. Joseph had problems, but the thing that was a difference between Joseph and most people is that Joseph didn't respond to problems the way that most people did. He could have looked at his situation and thought, man, this is a terrible situation. Why is this happening to me? How can I escape this? Why am I trapped in this situation? But, jo but Joseph didn't take on the trapped mentality. He put on a triumph mentality. Yes, life gave him lemons, but he made some lemonade. And how many of you love lemonade? Lemonade. Lemonade is good. Lemonade, I love lemonade. If you were to eat a lemon on its own, on its own, and you were to take a bite, that lemon would be sour and bitter. Just give a piece of lemon to a baby. You ever see babies eat a little piece of lemon? It looks like this. It's like, that's a face that you see because it's, it's gross just eating a lemon on its own. But then when you have sugar, yeah, you might have a little bit of sugar, but if you have too much sugar, how many of you know sugar will make you sick? But if you have the right amount of mixture between lemons and sugar, it makes some good lemonade, y'all, and I love some good lemonade. Just a couple weeks ago, I took a friend of mine to, uh, actually a couple of friends of mine, I took them to um, Kobe Beef and Shrimp. And I walk in, and, and they do all the acrobatic things with all the food, and they put the rice on fire, and they, they like, put the shrimp in your mouth. You open, they have you open up your mouth, and if you're, you know, talented enough, then you could catch a shrimp in your mouth. It's a fun place. It's a fun experience. But the one thing that they're known for also, and I didn't realize this, is their lemonade. They have strawberry lemonade. Ooh, it's so good. Like, if you get the right amount of, of, of um, fresas, uh, strawberries. I don't know why that came to me in Spanish. If if you, take, if you take strawberries, Spanish is my first language, so there you go. That, I'm like trying to say a word, and it came to me in Spanish. That's weird. So if you take strawberries, the right amount of strawberries, and then you take some lemons, the right amount of lemons, and you put the right amount of sugar in it, oh, man, that strawberry lemonade was super good. In fact, I might have to go over there after we're done here today because that, that, that lemonade was super good. And Joseph finds himself in Potiphar's house, and he's given lemons, but he makes lemonade out of that situation. He finds himself in a prison. He's given more lemons, but he makes lemonade out of that situation. He chose to grow right where he was planted. He chose to make good out of a bad situation. Life gave him problems, but it was how he responded to those problems that allowed him to live greater. And there are some of you here today, and life is giving you problems, and it's how you respond to those problems that will help you to determine if you're you're going to live greater or not. All of us have problems. You have problems. I have problems. All of God's people have problems. Come on, if you've had some problems, say it loud, amen. amen. We've all had some problems. In the Jimenez household, we had some problems this last year, sweetie. We had some problems. And at over, I would say around June, we started preparing for Lexi's going away into college, and we thought, man, we can't have Lexi go to college with her same car. She's been driving around a 23-year-old car with nearly 300,000 miles on it. And the reason why her car still runs good today is because she's got a great, great, great mechanic. I fix the car, y'all. I'm the mechanic. I'm the, I am her mechanic, and every time it breaks down, I repair it. But okay, so 
So we needed to get a new car because I thought, I don't want her to go to Southern California, have her car break down while she's over there. I don't want her to ever have to deal with a broken down car. So what we decided to do is give the car to my son because apparently we don't care if he breaks down. And so, <laughs> I love you, son. I love you. I love you. I love you. But you got the, 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 the what I call it, the hoopty. You got the hoopty car, bro. And so we decided, all right, let's buy, let's buy my daughter Lexi a used vehicle. So we found this car that was about 10 years old, but it was in great condition, great car. The only thing is that it had two really old tires on the front. And so immediately I, I didn't want her driving that car around. It was somewhat of a hazard. So I took it over to a tire place and said, hey, I need to get two new tires on the front. The back tires weren't great. I mean, they were about, I mean, they might have had about, 15,000 miles left on them or something like that out of a vehicle that way you could probably ride it for 80,000 miles because it's a small Mini Cooper. It's really small and she drives really slow and never peels out in it and so it would definitely last that long and uh, so we got her the car, took it over to the tire place and said, told him, put two new brand, brand new tires on the front so he takes the rims off, takes the tires off the rims. He says, hey, we've got an issue. I got to show you a problem that you're having. So I look at the, one of the rims, and the rim has a crack all the way, nearly all the way through it, just, just about an inch left of that rim actually sticking together. And he said, you know, this car's older. You're not, I don't think you're going to be able to find a new rim that would match the rims that you have. You're probably going to have to get four brand new rims. And sure, to, sure enough, I did all the research. And so I had to buy four brand new rims. And when you buy four brand new rims, you just can't put two brand new tires and like two tires that look like you're going to have to change in just a couple thousand miles anyway. So I went ahead and what I thought was just going to be two tires that needed to be replaced, I had to replace four brand new rims with four brand new tires. Come on, how many of you know problems? Kids are expensive if you have not noticed. Problems. And then over the summertime, our, uh, Christina's twin sister, uh, Brad and Stella, are, are, uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law with the rest of their family, there's six of them all together, they came over and they spent some time with us over the summertime. And it was so hot outside that all of us were just drinking a ton of water with a ton of ice just to keep our bodies cool because it was so, so hot. And after like one or two days of them being in our home, I realized that the ice machine was broken. No, I, no ice was coming out. And I thought, man, I got to call a repair person. So the repair guy comes over and he says, hey, Gary, there's nothing. I've checked everything out and there's nothing wrong with your ice machine. It, everything seems to be working right. The water's coming in. It's cooling. It's, nothing's wrong with it. And I, and I just thought, man, I don't want to deal with this right now. Obviously, something's not right because the ice is not coming out. Something's wrong. I just can't deal with it right now. So I waited till my brother and sister-in-law left. And the day that they left, you know what happened? The ice machine starts working. And you know what I realized? That Christina's family likes to drink way too much ice in her water. And I was like, what? No, what? These people drink way too much ice. And Pastor Gary, wasn't your family drinking ice? Yes, but this is my story. It was their fault why the ice machine wasn't working. I'm talking about problems. Problems. And then... About three to four weeks ago, my son Jordan, he's on the worship team for, for the youth, and he's here at practice after second service one day, and so practice gets done. He's driving home, and he gets to the first intersection where he's supposed to stop, and he's driving, and he puts his foot on the, on the, on the brake, but the car doesn't slow down. He's pushing it. No matter how hard he pushes on the brake, the car just keeps on going, and the car just starts going crazy. The engine starts to redline. The car is making that loud noise, and it's, Woo! 
you know, the RPMs are just going all the way up as high as they can go. It's redlining the engine. And so Jordan, he gets scared, and he starts to try to slam on the brakes. It's, nothing's happening. The, what's happening is that the gas and the brake are fighting each other. The car's still moving, and he thinks, I can't go all the way to Elk Grove Boulevard because if I go to that intersection, I'm going to cause an accident. And so he thinks, I'll, I'll go right over here into this trailer park, and I'll, I'll, I'll go right in there, and I'll slam the car into drive, and that's exactly what he does. He skids into the trailer park. He puts the thing in park, and he gives me a call, and he's frantic. He's scared. And he's like, Dad, I don't know what's going on. The car's going crazy. I said, turn it off. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. I need you here, Dad. So I drove over there to my son where he's at over there. I show up, and the first thing that I do is I, I look at the gas pedal, and the gas pedal's all the way in, and I grab it with my hand, and the gas pedal's stuck in the on position. I can't unfree it, but Pastor Gary, you're really buff. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, but I can't, I can't get it loose. It, it won't come up. I'm with you. I work out for these moments, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it done failure moment. I'm pulling on the gas pedal. The gas pedal won't come undone. I go to start the car. I wanted to see what would happen. The second I started the car, the engine's redlining again. I had to shut it down. I had the car towed. I know my limitations, everyone. I, I might be a good mechanic, but I know my limitations. I sent it off to the mechanic. Mechanic calls me after about an hour or two and says, hey, Gary, I've never seen this before, but the cable that connects the gas pedal and tells the engine where to go actually snapped when your son was pushing on the gas pedal. He just didn't realize that it had snapped. And when he let go of the gas pedal, the gas pedal stayed in the on position on the engine side. And the cable was snapped. I've never seen this happen before. Gary, it's a miracle that your son didn't cause an accident. It's a miracle that something didn't happen. And I realized that same exact thing. I, I realized it's a miracle that Jordan didn't get hurt, that, that he didn't kill someone or kill himself, or something terrible didn't happen. I'm talking about problems. All of us have faced problems. But I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to allow my problems to trap me in life, but I'm going to allow my problems to propel me towards what Christ has for me in my life. I'm not going to allow those things to hold me back, but I'm going to allow them to push me forward. Joseph had problems. You have problems. I have problems. All of God's people have problems, but that's not the issue. The issue is how are we going to respond to life when we have problems? Because that will determine if we live greater because 10% of who you are today is what happened to you, but 90% of who you are is how you respond to the problems. And there's some of you here today, and your, your problems are redlining. Your engine is revving up, and you're experiencing problems upon problems, and it's going up, and you're redlining in life. But I want you to know that we serve a Savior that is so good to us that he will repair the problems that you're going through in life, and he will propel you forward to what Christ has for your future. Oh, sure, it might be problems today, but God will help you with your problems tomorrow to propel you forward. Come on, say a loud amen. Amen. The third aspect that I want to give you today, number three, if we want to live greater, we have to have the right response to power. The right response to power. Joseph lived greater in life because he responded the right way to power. Joseph had a towel mentality, not a title mentality. Joseph was sold into slavery, and he's working in Potiphar's house, and he's serving Potiphar so well that Potiphar put him in charge of the entire household, and God elevates him because he has a towel mentality, not a title mentality. And then when he's in the prison, he begins to serve in the prison so well and, and serve the prison warden so well, he captures the attention of the prison warden. The prison warden says, man, with your work ethic, 
With your servant's heart, with, your, with, with the way that you're wanting to serve people, I can't help but to put you in charge. And now he's elevated to a position he never thought he would have ever been in because he had a towel mentality, not a title mentality. And because he has a servant's heart, he finds himself in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh puts him in charge of everything in charge of Egypt, only second to the Pharaoh, the king himself. And it wasn't a coincidence. It was because he had a a, a towel mentality, not a title mentality. And God knows how to promote you. You just need to serve. God knows how to bless you. You just need to serve. God knows exactly how to bless you and keep you and exalt you. You just need to serve. Be faithful in serving, and God will place you into positions that you would have never thought possible for your life. And now Joseph is in second in command in, of Egypt where he's experiencing seven years of abundance. And so much food is being produced. There's so much abundance that Joseph is able to store a lot of food in the storehouses. And now Egypt goes through a time where they're in, in seven years of famine. And everyone across the land is hungry. They're starving. Now they're going to Joseph for food and for resources just to be able to sustain life. And now one day his brothers show up. And his brothers don't recognize him. They're hungry. They need food. His brothers don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. He, Joseph is like, you may not remember what you did to me, but I remember what you did to me. And now I'm in charge. I'm the one with the power. Oh, it's going down today. I'm about to get even. No, 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 that, did, that actually didn't happen. What happened was he responds the right way. He could have retaliated. He could have put his brothers to death. He could have retaliated any way he wanted because he was the one with the power. He could have gotten even so easily, but he didn't do that. He responds the right way to power. Joseph's father and his brothers move to Egypt, and after some time goes by, the father dies. And after the father dies, the brothers get scared, and they say, man, what's going to happen with us? Is Joseph going to get even with us? Maybe the only reason why we're even alive still is because Joseph was thinking of our father. Now that our father's dead, is he going to get even with us? And I want, you, I want you to see how this story plays out in Genesis chapter 50, starting at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did to him? Verse 18, the brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph said, I can't misuse this power. God gave me this power. God gave me these resources. God gave me, he's the one that blessed me. He placed me in this position. He placed me in this position of influence. God did not give me this power so I could bless myself and be selfish. God did not give me this power so I could just serve myself or to get even with you. God gave me this power for the saving of many lives. And that's exactly what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. At some point, there will be people that have hurt you in some way, shape, or form that will come before you, and now they will be at your mercy. How will you respond when you're the one with the power, because that power has been given to you by God. That authority, that place of position, he's exalted you in that position so that you could save many lives. Because when people look at you and your abilities and your talents, are you going to point them to Jesus? Because that's why he gave you that power. Or are you going to be selfish and try to retaliate and get even? 
Maybe it's a mom or a dad that, that abandoned you. They left you. They, they neglected you. They abused you. And now years have gone by, and now you're the one that knows Jesus. You're the one that has a life that God has been blessing. And years and years have gone by. Now your parents are older in age. What do you do? When they neglected you as a child and they hurt you in your teens, what do you do when they call you and now you're the one with the power? That power has been given to you by God. How you respond to that power will determine if you live greater. Or maybe for some of you it's a brother or a sister and they hurt you when you were younger. They hurt you all throughout adolescence and adulthood. And you decided, man, I just, this, this relationship is volatile. I can't even have a relationship with this person. So now you haven't even talked to your brother or sister in so long. And your life is going good. You know Jesus. God's been blessing you. You're the one with a good family. You're the one with a family that's still together. But your brother and sister, they're, they're going through turmoil in their life. And now they call you. And now all of the memories and all of the things that they did to you are now flooding your mind. What do you do when they're at your mercy? You're the one with the power. Do you get even? Do you make things right? What do you do? Do you have mercy on them? Because you're the one with the power. How do you respond when you're the one that has the power? For others of you, maybe it's a coworker. And that coworker, man, they were talking so much mess about you. There was a promotion that was coming up, and you and this other person is talking mess about you. Both of you are going for the promotion. They go to your boss and say all the different reasons why you're unqualified, all the different reasons for why you have bad work ethics, and you're not supposed to get the promotion. And, and they're talking bad about you behind your back. Gossip. They've been talking about you the whole time. What do you do when you're the one now? Because now you got the promotion. And now you're like, oh, yeah, there's some people going to get fired now. I'm going to get even. What do you do when they're at your mercy and they have a family to feed? How do you respond in those moments? Because how you respond will determine how you live if you live greater. In those moments, are you going to choose to have a servant's heart or a selfish heart? In those moments, are you going to take on a towel mentality or a title mentality? In those moments, are you going to begin to serve them or not serve them? Are, in those moments, are you going to forgive them or are you going to forsake them? What are you going to do when you have the power? Because that power has been given to you by God. God didn't give you that power so you could be selfish or so you can get even with people. Hey, let's be honest. We would want to do that. We'd want to get even. We'd want, but Jesus lives inside of you. How do you respond when you've been given the power by God? Because how you respond is going to determine how you live if you live greater. If you're able to, would you stand with me today? We need to have the right response to pain, the right response to problems, and a right response to power. And in just a moment... I want to pray for some of you this morning that if you're dealing with any of these three areas of your life that you just need the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and help in, I want to pray for you today. For some of you, it might be pain. And the reason why you have so much pain in your life today is because maybe you haven't given it over to the Lord. I want you to know that God wants to take your pain today so that he can begin to have his plans and his purposes unfold in your life tomorrow. Would you give your pain to the Lord? 
would you just hand it to him? Because we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That means that God has a purpose for your life. The thing that's keeping you between you and your purpose is your pain. You're holding on to your pain. Would you release your pain to the Lord? There's others of you and you're here today and, and maybe it's problems. There's problems in your life and it's redlining in your life. Seems like things are just spinning out of control. But I want you to know that God wants to also take that pain away from you also. God wants to take all of those things. Don't put on the trap mentality. Put on a triumph mentality. God has a plan for your life. And there might be some of you here today, and I'm getting this from the Holy Spirit right now. There's some of you here today, and the reason why you're not releasing your problems or the reason why you think you have so many problems in your life is because you don't think that God loves you. I can't tell you that that couldn't be further from the truth because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. It's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Some of you think that the reason why you have so many problems because Jesus doesn't love you. You think God doesn't love you. No. Actually, it's flipped. The reason why you have so many problems in your life is because Jesus does love you. Pastor Gary, that doesn't make sense. So I have problems in my life because God loves me? Yeah, here's how that works. So God wants to give you the title of conqueror. How do you receive the title of conqueror if you've never conquered anything in your life. So maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're experiencing so many problems is because God wants you to submit those problems to Him so that you, be, you can become a conqueror. Why? Because He hates you? No! Because He loves you. Come on, quote that verse with me. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. I'm speaking that over your life today. God does not hate you. He wants you to be a conqueror. He's allowing those problems in your life so you can be called conqueror. He wants to put that banner, that title over your life, conqueror. When you go to your, to your boss's job tomorrow and, and you see their title right there and whatever their title is and you see their name, God wants to put that name plate over your life. Conqueror. You're a conqueror. Yeah, you have some issues right now, but you're going to be a conqueror tomorrow. And lastly, some of you are here today and, and it's maybe power. It's, it's that wrestling with Man, I know I'm blessed. I know God has placed me in this place of authority. I know that I'm a boss, a manager, CEO, CFO. God has placed me in this position. But God didn't place me in this position so I could serve myself or get even with people. God has given me this position so I could have a towel mentality, not a title mentality. Are you going to choose to serve people out of a towel mentality and serve them? Or are you going to use your title to get what you need? Because I could tell you this, if you serve people with a servant's heart, they're going to want to serve you. They're going to want to love you. They're going to want to talk good about you behind your back. They're not going to want to talk bad about you. If you serve people and love people, they're going to serve you. Man, I serve Pastor Perry to my full ability that I possibly can. You know why? Because he loves me. Behind the scenes, I can't tell you what he's done in my life and what he's done in your life. The reason why you attend this church is because Pastor Perry has loved you and served you. The reason why you choose to serve him back and love him back is because he's done such a fine job of that. And if you will do that with the people underneath you, they will serve you. Man, 
I'm telling you what, your productivity will go up. Your department productivity will go up. You're going to make more, more money than you've ever made. Why? Because you're serving them with the love of Jesus Christ. So if that's you this morning, you, have, you need prayer over any one of these three areas in your life, would you just do me a favor? I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Just be honest and raise your hand. I want to pray specifically for you this morning. If you're at home, I want to pray for you this morning. God, every single hand that's lifted up, I pray that you would truly meet us and reach us right where we are. Some of, us, some of us are dealing with pain. The pain is real. What they did to us is wrong. How they treated us is wrong. We're not making any excuses for those things. But what we are doing is, Lord, we're saying we want to give you our pain so that you could turn our pain into your purpose for Jesus Christ. We don't want to be held or bound by the pain of yesterday, but we want to walk in the purpose that you have for our life today. God, would you do something amazing with this pain? Would you take this pain? And would you use it to cause glory to come to you? Not for glory on our own selves, but glory to come to you. Lord, there's others that are going through so much problems, so many problems in their life. It seems like one problem after another problem. I just paid that bill. Now another problem. I just paid that thing. Now another problem. I just, I just mended this relationship, and now this relationship needs work. And now this relationship came. Lord, there's so many people with so many problems. And God, I pray that as we submit our problems over to you, that you will take our problems, that you will help us to become conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We're not going to look at these problems the same way anymore. Now when we experience problems, we're going to say, oh, the Lord loves me. He's allowing these problems to come into my life so that I could become a conqueror and I could have that title of conqueror over my life because you love me. Not because you hate me, but because you love me. And others of us in this place, we need help with the power that has been given to us. Because if we're being honest before you, Lord, it's hard to make the right decision every single time. Yeah, we make the right decision most times. But man, it's so gratifying to get even or to want to do certain things now with this power. But God... Would you touch our hearts from the inside out that we would have the right response to power? That authority has been given to us because you want to be glorified in all of our talents and all of our abilities because you want the saving of many people. So God, I pray for every manager, for every person in any type of influential place. I pray, God, that they would glorify you with their talents and their giftings, that you would be glorified, Lord, for the saving of many people. So God, use this power in a great way that we would put on a towel mentality and never a title mentality jesus help us we know that you have great things in store we know that you have a purpose for our life we know that you can take our pain our problems and our power and use it for your glory and your honor to fulfill your purpose and will in our life we love you we give you great praise this morning come on if you love the lord say a loud amen amen, amen. come on the people of god would shout a loud amen I also want to pray for another group of people that are here today, and I want you to know that maybe the reason why you haven't been able to live greater is because there's a prerequisite that needs to take place before you can even make an attempt 
at living greater and being successful at living greater. That, that prerequisite is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If we didn't need a Lord and Savior, we wouldn't have had to have accepted Jesus Christ. But the reason why so many of us are experiencing living greater is because we've asked Jesus into our heart. In fact, if you're here this morning and if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, would you raise your hand as an acknowledgement to the Lord that you are saved this morning, you've been redeemed, you've been set free. He's, he's taking that pain, that power. There's some testimonies in here, right? Right now but for others of you you're about to have that testimony for others of you you may not be living greater today because you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your into your heart as Lord and Savior and if that's you I need you to know that Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will be saved so here's what's about to take place I'm about to pray a prayer where you're just going to repeat that prayer out loud, but if you believe this prayer in your heart, it will save you because when you pray that prayer, not only do you accept Jesus Christ, but you have been walking down this road and something's about to take place in your life. It's called repentance. And that, that's just a, a, a long, that's a long word for a short definition, which means you've been walking this way. You've been wanting your own will, your own plans, your own purposes. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you're going to repent and turn away from those things that you've been doing and you're going to walk towards Christ. It's, it's not simple. It's going to take God's work in your life every single day. And that's why we're about to pray that you would be given the Holy Ghost to help you in this place as well, that you would walk in the fervency and the plan that God has for your life. But we're going to pray this prayer. You're going to accept Jesus. You're going to repent. And a newness of life is going to be yours. I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, which says that newness is of life is coming towards you, that the old is gone and the new has come. And so right now, the new is about to come for many of you that have never accepted Jesus Christ. If that's you, you need to accept Jesus. Pray this prayer with me out loud. If you're at home, join us in this prayer. Uh, if you're already a believer, I want you to also pray this prayer with all those that are going to be praying this prayer for the first, second, or whatever. If you need to re rededicate your life, rededicate your life right now. Today is a day of salvation. Close your eyes. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize today that the reason why I have not been successful at living greater is because I haven't asked you to come into my life. I want to ask you to come into my life today to forgive me of all my sins and to forgive me of all my wrongdoings. Lord Jesus, right now, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe on you. I receive you. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit today. I need the power that comes with the anointing that you're going to give me. There's so many things in my life that have held me back in the past, but I want your purpose to unfold in my life, in my future. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit today. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in. Dwell inside me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And say a loud amen. Now here's what just took place, that all of heaven, when even just one person comes to know Jesus, all of heaven erupts in praise. It's found in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10. It says, even when one person comes to know the Lord, that all of heaven erupts in praise. Now in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I want you to lift that, you're, I want you to lift your hand all across this auditorium, and you're not going to be embarrassed, you're not going to be ashamed to raise your hand, because if you can't raise your hand inside church, uh, surrounded by people that love 
you, you're not going to be able to live for Jesus surrounded by people that hate you. And so this morning, you're going to lift your hand. You're going to lift it proud. You're not going to let Satan have his way in your life. You're going to show people that you love Jesus and you met this thing. You asked Jesus into your life and now you're going to repent. You're going to live for him. So on the count of three, raise your hand if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hands all across this auditorium. Yes over there. Yes over there. Yes over there. Yes over here. Yes over here. Yes over here. Yes over here. Yes. 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 Yes over here. Any more? Yes over there. I see your hand. Come on now. Give the Lord great praise. God is worthy of our praise. And listen, we don't want you to do life by yourself. I want you to look around. This is your new family. This is your new church family. You don't have to look for a church. You found one. You arrived at one. This is your new church family, and we want to help you to grow. We have a Foundations of Faith class. It's going to start later on in January. Uh, do us a favor. Let us know that you made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. On the very back, it says, I committed my life to Jesus, or I renewed my life to Jesus. And if that's you, you made that commitment today. We want to help you become a real disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't want you to come today only and feel what you felt here and to make that decision, walk out on your own and never come back and then have this thing just dwindle out. We want this seed that was sowed into your heart today to grow, to grab root, and to be placed in good soil. And so look around. This is your church family. Family, Harvest Church, are you proud of them for making that decision today? Amen. It has been an amazing morning to spend time with you today. I just want to pray a blessing over your life. It's found out of Numbers chapter uh, chapter 6 and verse 23 through 26. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. And so I want to pray that over your life. Lord, every single person that is here, would you bless them? God, 2021, I don't know what that held for every single person here. Maybe for some it was a great year. Maybe for others it was a bad year. But, Lord, I'm just believing that the year 2022 is going to be one marked by your presence, marked by living greater, marked by the blessing of the Lord. Some people are going to begin walking out their dreams that you place in their life. God, I pray for every single person here that this would be a year of abundance, that there would be a year of abundance over every place at the sound of my voice, whether they're at home or here in church. God, would you bless us in our coming and our going? Would you bless us in whatever it is that we do today? Bless our families. God, I pray for relationships to be mended, finances to grow, jobs to be given, whatever the needs might be represented in this place. May the year 2022 be one filled with purpose and hope in Jesus' name. Come on and say aloud, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here this morning. We love you. Next week, Pastor Perry will be here. He's got a great message he's going to preach next week about uh, everything that's going to take place in the year 2022, our theme, and what we're believing God for. So we love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at goharvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.